Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through, through 5. And I'm just going to read these to you, and I just want to make a, four comments about these. And if you're taking notes, um, this is just body of Christ. This is the second part. The first part, last Sunday, <coughs> we talked about what is body life? What does that mean? And I think that what can happen and what we see in so many churches uh, around the world is that there is good teaching. There are great programs. There's a lot of activity. The worship is incredible. Uh, there's even great evangelical programs. But oftentimes we find that there is this missing component, and that is authentic body life, where meeting together, we are breaking bread together, breaking Christ together, and we're sharing one with another. Yesterday, or it was a Friday night, and yesterday too, uh, we were just with a group together and uh, really laughing a lot. Just I have not laughed probably so much in the last month and since I've come back from Poland, and this has been a lot of fun. But it was really cool yesterday after outreach. We went to Jason's Deli, and we just sat there, and we were laughing and just, just having fun. And in the religious world that's controlled by concepts and roles, uh, people would interpret that to be sacrilegious. And then in a moment, our conversation just turned to, remember that? Turned to something like that had some real spiritual content. And without missing, without missing a step, we just jumped into some great discussion about, about soul power and just about just these awesome topics. And I just love that because this is the body of Christ. When, when we learn to be set free in the who we are as a new creation, that we have a huge, big Jesus Christ that completed the work, that's not left uncompleted, and we can enter into a transformation in our life. And that's what we preach here. That's what we preach now let's read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And note the wording here and the order of the wording. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by, great, for by the grace given to me, in verse 3, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in, as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Without a revelation through the Holy Spirit of what the body of Christ is, we are missing a major component of our Christianity. We are missing the whole venue of transformation that God desires to bring into our lives on a personal level. And so I just want to talk about four things today. Number one is my outline. I, what I like to do is I just like to give what I want to talk about so that you can follow me. What is the biblical definition of, of sacrifice? Paul here talks about it. Then Paul talks about mind renewal. This is the second thing, mind renewal, which means just a renewing of the mind, a quickening of the mind. Uh, number three, sober thinking. What is sober thinking? What does that mean? And then number four, interdependency. That's a really big word, meaning we just need each other in the body of Christ. We need each other in the body of Christ. But before I do that, um, I was thinking this morning, 
Caleb uh, is doing this thing now where, and how many of you have had kids that um, do this free fall thing? Like they're sitting on a chair or they're sitting in his high chair or sitting on the couch and then they just kind of start moving towards you. And if you don't catch them, they're going to like crash on the floor. They're just like, they're just leaning and they're just free falling into and you've got to respond. You've got to be there. And I was just thinking, how many of you have seen that? I mean, am I the only parent that's ever happened? Okay. Daniel, no? <laughs> yes, okay. So, like, they're just free-falling at you. And we had just finished uh, lunch or breakfast. I was feeding him breakfast. And I'd taken the, that, and he, we have these stool chairs, and he's on the stool chair. So he's kind of up, like, three feet. He's up this high. His high chair is, like, there. So I take the, um, the little table off that slides off. And then he just start, and I'm, I'm putting it over here, and out of the corner of my eye, he's like starting to lean right forward to me. And so I, like, I, ca- I catch him, and I was like, oh my gosh, you know, you, you, know, you could have fallen, you could have hurt yourself. And don't, I'm thinking, doesn't he know that this is a dangerous situation? But I think that when we discover, like children, the safety of the genuine love of Christ in our midst, then we can free fall into the arms of God. Yeah. We can free fall into the plan of God for our lives. Yeah. We can free fall into making radical decisions for Jesus Christ. We can free fall into uh, whatever God wants us to do and take steps of faith because we know that if we free fall into the presence of God, that God is going to catch us because the everlasting arms of God are underneath us. And so that's what I wanted just to preface this with. Get the body of Christ is a place where we can free fall into the arms of Christ, discovering who we are in Jesus Christ. You know, there is this plague today, and it's the plague of what we call individualism. You know what that means, individualism? It's just a society that's based on you. A guy by the name of Robert Billa, who was an American sociologist, uh, who was the first known for what he taught on the, sociolo- the sociology of religion. And just listen to what he writes. I, he writes about this term, and I'm going to explain it in a minute, expressive individualism. And he writes this, the belief that identity comes through self-expression, through discovering one most authentic desires and being free to be one's authentic self, this powerful belief has weakened all institutions in society. Not only in the church, but because it insists that no external authority, get this, that no external authority has any right to tell you what is right and what is wrong or how to live. In short, in North America, our societies are becoming both more secular and more religious at the same time. What does that all mean? I want to explain that. What does that all mean? Individualism where, where we have been indoctrinated in the world that we live in, that you have to discover yourself, your gifts, who you are. You've got to find yourself by just doing what you desire to do. Does that, does that make sense? That people, what happens is, is that people come into, we come into life, we come into a new workplace, and we are encouraged in the system of humanism and the system of ego first, the iPhone, the I this, the I that, where we are, we are encouraged to 
live in self-expressionism. Now, there's, that sounds great, but there is a burden of isolation in that. There is, this, there is this temptation to get so into what you and I want to do as an individual that we can find ourselves isolated with no community, with no body life, with no fellowship, with no interaction with each other, where it's just me and what I'm doing so that I can discover my gifts and my part, my part. And so the Bible here, Paul here, and that's not anything new in Western society. This has been existing. This has existed for, for millennia because as soon, as soon as there was Adam and Eve, Eve was encouraged to live in self-expression without, without understanding what God had said. And so Paul here, what Paul does here is he just... He begins to define what is sacrifice. And this is the first thing I just want to mention is the sacrifice here mentioned by, he's defined by Paul, is that what we do, and by the way, when Paul talks about sacrifice, whenever he talks about, you know, the believer's part, he sandwiches this between two things. Now look at what he says here. Before he says the word sacrifice, he, the, what he says first is by the mercy of God. Okay, now what is mercy and how does that differ from grace? Let me ask you. Think, what is mercy and how is that different from grace? Mercy is that I don't get what I deserve. That's just mercy. I'm not getting the consequences that I rightfully deserve because of the mercy of God. And when Paul, when David prayed in Psalm 51, be merciful unto me, actually what David was asking, he wasn't asking for grace. He was asking God, just be merciful unto me and don't let your judgment fall on me. And we see that that happened at the cross of Jesus Christ. And so before Paul starts talking about your sacrifice and what you're supposed to do and what you as as an individual are supposed to do for the church, he said he talks about the mercy of God. And this this is very important. This is why it's important. Because if I'm living without mercy, then I'm living in a sense of consequence. Meaning, this is what I deserve. Come into a relationship, a marriage, a friendship. uh, Come into something new. Come into the body of Christ. With this mindset, this is what I deserve. This is what I deserve. But Paul is saying here, by the mercy of God, and the mercy of God is awesome because not only does the mercy of God not give us what we deserve, but it also gives doesn't give us what we deserve. Now, I said that twice. You're not mistaking me by it. Because I don't deserve the consequences and the judgment for sin, but guess what? I also don't deserve a lot of other stuff too. I don't deserve the consequences of the good stuff that I do. By the way, When we look at our ministry, I'm here, I'm up here speaking, not because I'm the holiest guy in the room. I'm up here because of the mercy of God. And so he says, by the mercy of God, I I plead with you. I, I, um, I appeal to you that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And this is the other side of the sandwich. First side of the sandwich is the mercy of God. The other side of the sandwich is holy and acceptable. And we said this several times this month, and I just want us to really understand this, that you are holy and you are acceptable. You're not a mess. <laughs> you're not a shameful mess. You're not a mistake. You're not a, you're not a disaster. You're not, um, you are not disapproved in the eyes of God. The Holy Trinity, God the Father, the, the, the Holy Spirit, uh, God the Son, God the Spirit, they are pleased to dwell in you. They are overjoyed to dwell in them. Do we get that? Is that they are so 
<coughs> excuse me, they are so joyful to dwell in us because our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not you're becoming the temple of the Holy Spirit by good decisions, by 12-step program. You already are. We are acceptable in Jesus Christ. And this is how we start our day. This is how we start new relationships. This is how we, every day, uh, begin our marriage. This is how we step into new business opportunities. This is how we begin our life, is that we are acceptable to God. Now, you might be thinking, hey, this was not a great week for me. I, had a, I just didn't have a great, maybe you just think, I, don't, I didn't have a great week. Uh, sometimes I don't have great weeks. Oftentimes I don't have great weeks by, by, by sight. You might be feeling, you know what, I don't feel like I really should be here today. I don't feel great. I don't feel like I have a lot to worship about. Can I tell you, you are holy, holy, without blemish, without blame, without accusation, without condemnation. You are holy. And not only are you holy, but you're acceptable. Meaning that you're holy, but not rejected. You ever meet somebody who's holy, but just, hey, please don't hang out with me. (laughs) You ever meet people like that, like, hey, I just... You are so holy. This is what Peter said to Jesus in the boat right after the miracle. Peter's fishing all night, throws, throws the net on both sides, doesn't get any fish. And then Jesus comes. He says, throw the, throw the net on the right side and for a great catch. He does, and then Peter balks back and he's like, you know, this is, what are you talking about? I'm the, I'm the fisherman here. You're the teacher. Just kind of stay in your place, please. Yeah. And then Jesus says... Jesus says, throw it on the right side. I think it's the right side. Yeah, the right side. Right side. That's the right side. I'm going like that. I'm just, I got dyslexia. Right side. And then, and then he pulls the net up, and it's full of fish. And what does Peter say? I, lo- I just love yeah, this. I just think, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Yeah. Did you ever have these moments where you're like, God does this huge grace thing in your life, and you're totally like, you feel, I don't deserve that. And then Jesus is smiling, saying, hey, I want to bless you. I know your labor has not worked. You did not have really a great week, but I want to give you a net full of fish this, this morning. That's what we're going to walk out of here with today. We're going to have a net full of fish. Praise the Lord. And, and why? Because, and so what does Peter do? He, do? he goes, Jesus, I'm bad news. You ever do that with somebody? You ever think that way? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm bad news. I don't know if you really want to hang out with me. Does someone, have someone said that to you recently? Have you said that to someone? Have you ever wanted to say that? To somebody in your church, like, you know, I'm bad news. And what, is, and what does Jesus say? What does he say? Do you remember what he says? Very interesting thing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Do you, do you know what he says? Fear not, right? Fear not, right? I think he says fear not. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is live on YouTube, so i got to get it right. Fear not. Why? Because when we live in guilt, we're, we're living in fear. Fear is the result. We just think that, okay, I don't deserve anything in my life, which is true. That's why it's all grace. And there's no way that we could ever, it's never, it's, ne- it's something we could never attain as an individual. And so how does that translate into a sacrifice? Well, on the front end, mercy. I'm coming into a situation where I don't deserve anything, but I'm also not getting what I do deserve. And on the other side of sacrifice is that I'm holy and I'm also acceptable. I'm loved. I'm holy and I'm loved. I'm acceptable. Beware of people that, that are so holy. You look at them and they got, they got it all. They got all the doctrine down right. They're just like, man, there is no, there is no sin going on in anything in their, in their life. And you're around them and you're just like, I, you know, 
I'm not acceptable. Because that is not the spirit of Christ. It's not the spirit of the body of Christ. And so remember that. The sacrifice first begins with the mercy of God, and then it's holy and acceptable. And it's, therefore, it's never about us. The burden, the burden, the burden is never, the burden is not on me. And so when the, when the Bible says here, present yourself, this is very interesting. I know I'm not going to get through all this today. I can tell, I can tell you right now already, so I'm not going to worry about it. The Bible tells us, that when it says, remember in Exodus chapter 12 and Joshua 22, the Bible says, hey, serve me. So you're supposed to serve me. Well, a word is used there in the, in, the, in the Septuagint, which is latria, which don't have to remember that word. It just means service, or it can actually mean worship. Yeah. But in the New Testament, you know how that word is used? It's not used in the form of like, you've got to do this for God. You've got to do this for God. You've got to do this responsibility in the church. You've got to do this, do this, do this. Or you're not acceptable and you're not holy. What it means here is, is that because of the mercy of God and because of the holy, you're holy and acceptable. The only thing that you, are, you and I are responsible to do is present ourselves. Just show up. Be present. You know? Just be present with God. You know? Just be present with the, with the communion with God. Does that make sense? Because when, when, and that's the only thing. When the Bible says your rituals, your, your traditions, your, your ceremonies, what is it for the Christian? I'm presenting myself to God and say, here I am. In Isaiah chapter 6. Here I am. Woe is me, but here I am. Woe is me, I've seen the, I've seen the host of the Lord, as Isaiah said, but here I am. And guess what? I'm holy and I'm acceptable and God is happy to see me. Amen. Let's get this. Let's get this clear. This is so important because if we don't do that, then I'm entering into service in the body of Christ or I'm entering into the body of Christ with a deficit motivation, which means my motive is I got to derive. I'm trying to derive. And I know we're talking about some heavy duty stuff here this morning, but we derive our identity from what I'm doing in the church. or I'm deriving my identity from what I'm saying or my vocabulary, or I'm trying to maintain something like, Hey, I, I'm the pastor, and I've got to maintain a certain image. No, I know, and no, you don't. We just need to be present in presenting ourselves unto the Lord. And that is your ritual, that is, your, that is whatever you want to add, that, that, is your, that is your worship. That is your worship. We present ourselves to God, presenting our body. Number two, Paul talks about uh, mind renewal. And this is so important because this tells us, Verse 2 tells us that whether, whether we choose Christ or self, we're going to be part of a community. This is very important because sometimes people say, well, I'm going to live in my expressive individualism. I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm going to follow my heart and I want to discover myself. Well, the Bible tells, tells us that in, in the book of Proverbs that the fool seeks to discover himself. Yes. And so, to, what, so what happens is, is that a person... Will will step out into their you know like I gotta just turn over a new leaf I gotta get out of this situation get out of this get away from these people and I gotta do what I want to do and guess what happens we because we're made for community are gonna wind up in community yes. yeah. and we whether we're in this community the body of Christ or I'm gonna be in a community of people that are all seeking individualistic expression does that yeah. make sense yeah. I'm gonna find myself <laughs> and you can see it in Philadelphia I remember just going downtown all of these individual expressionists and they all are together in a cafe or doing something hipster or whatever because they are made for community and we wind up in community we seek community whether constructive or destructive we're gonna we're looking for community and we're gonna find it and it's either 
destructive or is constructive. And so true freedom, true freedom. And by the way, we said this at the beginning, but like um, this expressive individualism or this ego worship or self-seeking always leads to the burden of isolationism. I'm, I'm on my own. And technology really encourages this, doesn't it? That you can do all of this stuff, you and your device. Okay? You can do this, you, and you don't need community. But the burden of that is released when we just when we learn mind renewal. And what is thinking about this word renewal? What does that mean? And in Titus three chapter five, it's, it uses the same Greek word. And I'm going to read this to you. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. But according to his own mercy, and listen to this, by the, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's when you and I present ourselves as a living sacrifice. We are holy and we are acceptable. And there is a renewal, a reminder, a quickening in Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we are quickened in our mind in Ephesians 4, 23. There's a quickening. There is a renewal. Do, do, do you know what I'm talking about? It's when my mind is, is I'm re-energized. I, I don't, I'm no longer um, bound by natural things and fears and concerns and burdens. But now I'm thinking on a higher road. I'm thinking on the second floor of the house. That second floor where it's the first floor is just, is just programs and it's what people are doing and it's a social environment. The second floor is where I'm just having communion with God and thinking in this mind and so when we have mind renewal i'm no longer living it's no longer about it's no longer all being about me okay it's not it's okay it's not if it's not about me this is not about me this church is not about me it's not about anyone in this room it's about really jesus christ it's about christ being glorified and lifted up and if that and that is our primary goal here is that when we walk through those doors we want to see jesus christ I mean, he is high and lifted up. We don't need to lift him up or raise him up like some, some like, ina- unable idol. Like, you know, we don't have to try to, but he is already in our midst, high and lifted up. He is already first. Um, and when it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, it just means in Matthew chapter 6, is just understand the priority, the, the premacy, the supremacy of Christ and his kingdom. And then it's no longer, I'm no longer living under the bondage of of it being all about me. That way, I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to live in offense. I'm, like if somebody says, well, I don't like the way you did that. I don't like the way you sang. Or I don't like the way you spoke. Or I don't like the way you, uh, you know, I don't like the way Wes turns the dials back there. You know, like Wes doesn't get, a, he doesn't get offended. <laughs> he just turned me off. <laughs> Watch out for Wes. He's the man with the controls back there. <laughs> That way, I'd, and I like to say in our church, none of us have big toes here. You're not going to step on anybody's toes. You're going to step on toes, but they're not big, so it's not going to hurt that much. It's not about us, and it's really it's about Jesus Christ. And when it's about me, then I'm going to get offended because it's, it's just the flesh thinking. It's the old way of thinking. We come in here with a new, fresh mind. Does this, is, are we, am, I, am I getting through? I, I think I am. Number three, sober thinking. And what is sober thinking? It's okay, sober, we think of the word sober, okay, I'm not drunk, you know, I'm not intoxicated. And it means the same thing in the, in the word of God here, but it's actually a word that is uh, in the Greek that's related to this word sozo or saved. 
It means that I'm thinking with a born-again, finished work mindset about everything. Sober doesn't mean I gotta, I gotta step out into reality and discover reality. Okay, that reality may not be God's reality. It might be the world's reality or the devil's reality or the flesh's reality. Sober thinking is when I start thinking, when you and I start thinking about who you and I are in Jesus Christ before we attempt any, any relationship, before we attempt any, uh, anything in the kingdom of God. Therefore, sober thinking, thinking in unity, in verse 3, is when I understand that my ministry, or what I'm doing, and now I'm just speaking to the church here, is not individualistic in its scope. This does not imply, this doesn't imply that a person doesn't have any individual value, but we discover our individual value when we are in the body of Christ, when we're in community. When I'm in the midst of the body, I'm baked in the loaf, I'm, I'm, I'm baked inside, and that's where I'm discovering my identity, because I'm amongst... I am amongst people that you are amongst people that are reflecting to you who you are in Jesus Christ. And when that happens, the work that I'm doing, see an individual, an individualism thinks this way. Um, If I do something and there's a great response, then it's important and it's spiritual. Okay. But if I do something and there's no response, then it's not important and it's not spiritual. Okay, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, suppose I preach a message and, and then, or I share the gospel with somebody and there's just no response. Do I walk away and say, well, that wasn't important. You know, people, the pe- these people are not important or this situation's not important because there's, not, there's no response. What I'm saying is, is that what I'm doing is based on me and it's, and it's important because I'm doing it. What if God decides to do something totally different and there is no response? Suppose you share the gospel with somebody and there's no response. And, and we walk away and, like, and we make it all about ourselves. And we say, well, there was no response. Nobody responded. Uh, I, didn't get the, I didn't get the validation that I was looking for. And therefore, it wasn't good or God didn't use it. That is such natural, fleshly thinking. Yeah. It's just saying that it's all about me and the way it's working. And so... When we live in sober thinking, we're thinking with God about what I'm doing. That You know something? The word of God never comes back void. Or, or um, I'm not looking at the response of people. I'm looking at, I'm just obeying by faith what God has called us to do. And it's me and God, and I'm enjoying that. And then lastly, this is very important. Of, um, the last two verses, of, uh, verses 4 and verse 5, Talk about interdependency. And I want to just take a moment on this and then we'll close. Interdependency. This is something that you are not going to see primarily in American society. You're going to find, go to New York City. It's called the loneliest city in the United States. Everybody is on their own, doing their own thing. Nobody talks to, nobody talks to anybody. Interdependency means this. It means fellowship. It just means fellowship. It means fellowship. It means that you and I are fellowshipping with one another. We were talking recently. And you ever sit down with a group of Christians? Maybe they don't go to your church or, or, and you're just talking. You just love, you would just love to talk about Jesus Christ. You just love to talk about God or what God is doing. <coughs> and this happens sometimes. And you're just, there's just no interest. I heard about a long time ago. Some pastors that were pastors of different churches met together, and they went Monday when they went golfing, and they were just out there golfing, and 
one of the pastors brought up, they wanted to bring up a testimony that God had done in this church. And the other one said this. He said, let's not talk shop. It's Monday. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Wow. It's like, what are, we to- what are we doing? When we sit down together, I want to break bread together. I don't, it's not like we have to quote verses at each other or we have to read, you know, read, read long texts to each other. But you say, let's break bread together. Like, you know, we're over at Jeff's house painting and, and, and I'm just painting and I'm listening to an audio book. And Jeff and Marcus comes up and we just start talking, you know. Nothing gets done. We just, everything stops. We just start fellowshipping about Christ. And then the other people came into the room and we just had this, you know, this spontaneous fellowship. Why? Because this is what we desire. Interdependency. Fellowship means that I realize that I'm totally inadequate of my own self to perceive the complete Christ. What does that mean? I cannot understand God unless I'm part of a community of believers. I just can't understand. I'm not going to know God. And, and I'm not going to know God. I can't sit in my house and watch the TV only and just say, okay, that's my church. Because that is just, that's like, it doesn't work. I'm not encouraged. I need to be in a body of people where I am, where I am um, accountable one to I'm accountable to you. i got to show up on Sunday mornings. I can't just stay home and do whatever. I'm accountable to you. I live my, I'm, I'm accountable to God, but I, I make personal decisions in my life that I know that are going to impact you. And so I'm accountable. We're accountable. Revelations 12, uh, Romans 12, verses, verse 10, that we prefer one another in love. Fellowship yes. means that I am totally inadequate of understanding who Jesus Christ is without the body of Christ. I need other members. I need other members. I need other people. You know, I need, I need to be in the body of Christ. And, and, and fellowship, number two, is not an external exercise of social, you know, social activity. We're talking to somebody about something that they were struggling with in a Bible study in their home. And they said, said as soon as we bring up the topic of Jesus in a Bible study, then, then nobody, everybody gets, gets awkward. People just want to laugh and joke, but there's just no, there's no discussion about how beautiful Jesus Christ is. That is sad, and there's no fellowship there. Social, social activity replaces uh, fellowship so often. And so the body of Christ, so this is, what, this is what fellowship is. It's spontaneous demand of body life. It's like when we come into the body, okay, people are going to come up to you and they're going to they're have testimonies and they're going to have needs, you know. Yeah. And we, sometimes we just don't want that. <laughs> sometimes we don't like, oh man, don't tell me about your problems, you know. I got enough of my own problems. Well, if I'm living in, ex- in individual expressionism, I'm not going to want it. I'm not going to be in Galatians chapter 6 able to bear one another's burdens. I'm going to be like, dude, I don't want to talk to you because I don't know what to say about your problems. And, hey, i got to go do something spiritual. i just got to go and do this program. See you later. I'm praying for you. That is not fellowship. Fellowship is when I understand there's spontaneous need of the body of Christ. Body of Christ is a life. It's life, and therefore, it's also. It, therefore, it. When we are quickened by the Holy Spirit, I'm no longer living in self-awareness or self-consciousness or self-whatever. I'm thinking there is awareness of the body. I'm aware of the body of Christ. I'm aware. You know, and I'm thinking about what's happening. I could be in my home. I could be about doing business, and because I'm living with a quickened mind, or you're living with a quickened mind, you can actually have. Someone 
come to your mind and God's saying, I want you to pray for that person or message them or reach out to them. Because the body of Christ is a life. And I'm going to end with this. I'm going to end with this challenge. You need fellowship. Okay? Every one of you in this room, I need it. We need it. The first church met every day. Well, that's not practical. How's that going to work? You know, that doesn't work. And I think that sometimes churches or pastors will be like saying this from a perspective of control. Like you've got to be in church. You know, like if you're not in church, you're losing your membership and I'm not going to counsel you or what, or, or whatever. But what I'm, I'm not saying, I'm saying that you need fellowship. Your marriage needs fellowship. Your single life needs, uh, need not marriage, sorry. Your single life needs fellowship. <laughs> It does, because like it, my marriage, my wife cannot just live with me. God, you know, she can. She's got. She is living with me, but she needs more than just me. She needs Jesus Christ in me. And you know something? If I'm like this, if I'm the type of husband where I say, you know, I got to limit my wife's how much involved she is in the church because you know, it's like my wife or my husband uh, needs the body of Christ. They need fellowship. And I just want to say that, like, here's what this world's going to do. If you've got a busy schedule, I'm not condemning you. Please don't feel I'm getting on your case. I'm just making this point that the world wants to suck all of your energy out uh, through your employment or through your business or through your family situation or through whatever's going on. Because whatever, he, whatever you do, the devil does not want you and I and the body to fellowship together, to be partaking of Jesus Christ. We need fellowship. And that is why so many people are struggling today as Christians because they don't understand that, that they're going to find answers. They're going to hear things from God that they're not going to hear on their own, but they're going to hear it from another brother or sister in the body of Christ. Today we had two testimonies, right? Michael and then Michael. And Michael and Michael. It was a double, it was a double Michael testimony today. And what, what happened there? We, we, partook, we partook of Jesus Christ. Many times after church, we have these Q&A sessions where we're just fellowshipping. It's a discussion format, and we are enjoying each other, and we're enjoying the fellowship. This is what we need. We need this. And what will happen is if you're a believer, and you and I are just getting sucked into um, crazy, uh, where, where, the, where, where something is dominating my life, then, you know, we just need to, uh, we need to, my wife, my, my wife and I were in a situation like that in Baltimore where we were working. We had a company. And this company, like, when they called you, you were, you were, you were there or, or you were fired. And it just got to a point where it was, it was invading my, our times to fellowship with the body. And, and, and what happens is, is that we feel this. Uh, we feel the lack and we begin to become isolated. Maybe, maybe it can't be every day. But you know what I want to say is like, draw near to the fellowship, and let's make let's make life decisions based on because you know what we need your portion. We need your portion in this body. I need it. Your body needs it. These two, you know, Lily and Scarlett up here singing. We need them singing. We need Sarah's here. She came here from Poland to be a missionary to Houston. Figure that one out. God <laughs> sending Polish missionaries to Houston because there's a need for the gospel's sake. The body is beautiful. You are beautiful. I love this body. I love what you do is not a responsibility. It's not something that uh, is required of you. But we are, our service is first presenting yourselves to Jesus Christ 
I'm not calling you as the pastor to do something. I'm just saying, please present yourselves to Jesus Christ. He's going to lead you what to do. You're going to see opportunities and just jump in and serve the body. Amen? Because we need the body of Christ. Amen. Let's pray.